Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation, where we shine a light on loss and grief and how it impacts our lives. We are here to provide hope, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in their grief. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Power of Love show sponsored by the Dee Dee Jackson Foundation. We are here, of course, to shine some light, positivity, and love to each and every one of you. We are live right now on YouTube and Facebook, and you may be listening to us on your podcast. Of course, our podcast, The Power of Love Show, is available on all major podcast platforms. So if you haven't heard us there, make sure you check that out as well. Uh, We are not licensed therapists. We are just ordinary people who have experienced loss in our lives. We've been impacted by it and we've learned from it. Saying that if you need professional help, we urge you to seek it and to find it. Do not just rely on us. So today's date is May 12, 2021. And yes, last week we had a cancel at the very last minute because one of us had a child. You can guess which one it is if you've been watching uh, (laughs) or if you've been listening. But anyways, it is not myself. I've had several plenty. I am done. You would be the the odds. (laughs) I'd be the odds, but it is not me. It is is Mr. Taj Jackson. Congratulations, Taj. Thank you. Very excited. You can see the baby, you know, the bassinet in the the back uh, with the monitor and all that. Taj, that's that's how they're doing it now? The camera is... Sticking up? Sticking up? Yeah, it's kind of tilted so it can get the whole kind of the whole area. Trust there me, it, it, it's it's like riding a bike, but it's not. You know, I had to learn some new things, and this is a new system and all that stuff. But That's really cool, cool, man. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to share about any of that? Well, yes. we don't have a name yet. That's why we're not. That's why I'm not saying stuff. But, but it's uh, yeah. She was born um, Cinco de Mayo. 5th of may a day after my grandma and uncle jackie and trust me we're trying to we were trying to make that may 4th deadline but it just wasn't gonna happen. <laughs> it was a possibility at one point but then it slowed down so but uh, extremely happy just i forget how fragile babies are in that yeah. way it's just like so scary you know it's, it's I'm, I'm at that state now because with taylor Ta- taylor's a lot bigger now so i can be a little rough with her and play around with her, but this now I'm at that fragile state again. But yeah. I just want to thank everyone because I, I get your um, congratulations and messages, and I know you're sending them here as well. And thank you so much; they really brightened up my day, especially when a lack of sleep kicks in and stuff like that. And like you know, or I have to stay up. I just read messages. So no, that's Very, cool, man. Yeah. It's it's a special time for you, and you know, and I got to tell everyone that even on the day of the birth. Um, Taj is like, are we still doing the show? And I, I had said, Wi-Fi no. and everything. You 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 did one from uh, like the McDonald's parking lot. I was like, you can do it from <laughs> you know the hospital room. You know, nah, Taj. It, you know, I I I made an executive decision to say no. We we postponed and we're gonna <laughs> keep it postponed so that you know, because I yeah. trust me, I know that is you you want to be there for the community, but at the same yeah. time, you you got to enjoy the moment. You know. Yeah. Thanks. So. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you. I, I don't think we really need to talk much about my week as it doesn't compare anywhere near your week. Um, so the baby, uh, new baby Jackson is, is one week old 
And again, Taj, on behalf of our whole community, the DDJF, and your family, of course, we are proud of you and, and proud for you and Tiana oh, yeah. and, and yeah. want to send so much love. Um, before we get into our guest, I have to say, um, look at this. It's a super chat from Teresa where she has donated to DDJF. So a big thank you to you, Teresa. Um, she says much love. We are going to go straight to you for that, Taj. She sends you much love. Mm. Um, but Teresa, thank you so much for the super thank chat. You, and I, I guess it's a wonderful opportunity to tell people um, you there's so many ways you can help us here at DDJF. One is simply uh, go to our website, www.ddjf.org. You could super chat as Teresa just did. And then there is also DDJF merch. Yes, um, you can go to our website and find some merch um, to support us that way. So there is some cool merch um, that you could take a look at and order and show your support that way. The proceeds awesome. from that go directly to um, our, our, our account. And like I, we've said several times, none of us are paid. We are all volunteers. So everything we receive goes directly to our programs and to helping mm. others. Um, so again, thank you to everyone who contributes and donates and a big thank you to you, Teresa, uh, for your $50, uh, super chat. Awesome. All right. With that said, Taj, I think it's time to, to no, like I said, no sense talking about my week. Um, when you, when you've given birth and, and had a, a well, another child, birth, I did, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you, like mine will, will be a huge letdown. So with that yeah. said, I think we go straight into our guest. Yes. Um, and today's guest is a speaker. She's an advocate and th she's an author of Wife, Widow, Now What? It mm -hmm. is Ms. Rachel Ingstrom. Uh, Rachel lives in the Twin Cities. For those of you who do not know, that is Minneapolis. Yes, I believe. I know it's Minnesota, um, but I believe Twin Cities would be referring to Minneapolis. Rachel will correct us if I'm wrong. Correct. She has a master's degree. What's that, Todd? You said correct us if you're wrong. I said correct well, you. <laughs> you haven't said anything, so you're lumped in with me. Yeah. Uh, she has a master's degree in social work and is a certified health education specialist. Mm. She has worked in mental health care the past 12 years and enjoys advocating for and helping others. Her oh. book, Wife, Widow, Now What? How I Navigated the World of Cancer and How You Can Too has been a labor of love and at times a bit of PTSD. As she relived, relived her cancer wife, then widow, journey in order to help those going through what she did in the past. Rachel dreams of a world without cancer, but in the meantime strives to advocate and educate those going through their cancer and or grief and loss journeys to know they are not alone and that there is support out there. With all that said, without much further ado, please welcome the one and only Rachel Ingstrom to the Power of Love show. Rachel, how are you? Hi, I've never had the one and only. <laughs> hey, that that would be you though, right? You are the one it, it and is. only. It is. It is. Yes. It is. <laughs> and congrats on that baby. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel. Yeah. So, uh, Rachel, first of all, how are you? Did I get it right? Minneapolis is the Twin Cities? It's mini, Minneapolis. So it's what Minneapolis. What am I saying? You're saying like Minneapolis. Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay. So, so okay. I added so it in. The Twin Cities, so it's Minneapolis and St. Paul. They're right next to each other. Okay. Wow. Got it. So Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I did add it. Okay, I should know that too. Okay, so Minneapolis. Um, well, thank you for joining us, Rachel. Yeah. And um, we we here at DDJF and especially on the Power of Love show, um, just try to help our community and people who may be listening. Um, just just let them know you are not alone in your grief. That is our tagline. That is something that sure. that is something you stand by, and I love that because I think it's so important that if anyone gets anything from this this whole show. It's to know that you are not alone mm-hmm. and there's sources out there that can help you. So mm-hmm. with that said, can you walk us through the day of the day your life changed when you were what you were only 20 years old and your husband was diagnosed with cancer, uh, leukemia. So mm-hmm. can you walk us through that day of, of, of what, what it was like for you? Yeah. Yeah. I, first I want to say that, so I'm, 20 minutes away from like where George Floyd was killed and you know, all these things. So it's just, I feel like grief is in so many different ways now. So the more I talk Mm. about this, the more what I wrote is applicable to anyone going through Mm. grief or catastrophic things. It's kind of incredible. Unfortunately things, you know, COVID, all these things have blown up with that. But um, I moved here from a smallish town in Michigan in 2000 to go to school at the university of Minnesota um first semester sophomore year i met this guy that was six years older than me at a birthday party my parents couldn't say anything because they got married when my mom was 19 and my dad was 26. (laughs) so um by the time i was 22 we got married and he was about to be 28 and then when i was 28 and he was 35 he just thought he had the flu really didn't feel well he worked nights like at a factory and turned out he let me back up and say so get this on new year's eve of 2010 he has a fortune cookie that says you're about to have a major life change 15 days later he's diagnosed with cancer so that's definitely not you know the fortune you want yeah. Um, wow. So right away, we were thrown into this world where I had to figure out how to work eight hours. I'm working in social services, stuff like that, where I can't in front of my clientele, I can't show what's going on. So I have to just check it all at the door, um, work eight hours, run home, let the dog out, then run to the hospital. And I'm trying to navigate like insurance and disability and treatment and diagnosis and all these things. So it was, it was really crazy, very isolating. Um, so it just definitely not what you expect. Um, the fall before I had like horrific endometriosis, ovarian cyst rupture, things like that. I found out I not, might not be able to have children, things like that. So it was just a lot all at one time and thinking, oh, you know, 2011, things are going to get better. And then all of a sudden at 28, I'm a cancer wife. And it's just like someone threw a grenade at my life. So it was it was a really difficult time. Did you have any experience with cancer or any understanding prior? No. What's funny is like, and I talk about this in my book, that my prior like knowledge of it was seeing that movie with Julia Roberts, Dying Young, where she takes care of the guy and he's like just puking all the time and he's super sick and it turns out, you know, they give you pre-meds before chemo and, uh, you know, all these different things. But I really had no idea um, just how much social support I would need, how much leaning on mm-hmm. people. So mm-hmm. my book is actually chronological order of, I don't know if you guys have heard of Caring Bridge. It's a website that's for like the medical journey where you can do a blog post. And mm-hmm. instead of people texting you or calling you or emailing you, 
when they sign up for it, every time you do a post, they get an email. So mm -hmm. my book is my Caring Bridge post, my Facebook post, we had Team Grayson post, all that kind of stuff in order and chronological order. So then when I'm navigating insurance, I show you how to do it. When I'm navigating every step of all these things nobody talks about, I'm doing it. But just getting people to comment on Facebook of, you know, we're thinking of you, we're praying for you, all those different things were just major, especially in the early days. Yeah. I was going to ask you what, what there are people that are going through what you kind of went through today, you know, whether it's yeah. cancer, whether it's COVID, whether it's, you know, a, a myriad of, of things that could be claiming the love of their lives. What kind of support was huge for you and what advice um, would you give to someone who may be in a similar situation that, that you were in where it seems like there's a terminal illness around the corner for your love. Yeah. And like, I'll talk about it when you, when you get to it or ask me, but I didn't know until like five days before he died, two and a half years later, after he got sick, that he was actually going to get sick. But when you are, so I wrote this originally for a spouse, significant other, and now I'm realizing it's for anybody, anybody mm -hmm. that wants to know how to support, you know, all of that. But the number one thing is when you're the one taking care of someone, you don't have the luxury of believing anything, but that they're going to be fine. Um, so you're, you're, you know, the cheerleader, the team manager, all of these things. So you really have to check yourself and have your own person you can talk to outside of the patient because they're going through their own personal Afghanistan. It's what I always told my husband, like, um, you know, this is your job. This is, you know, living, surviving every day. That's your full-time job now, but you really do have to know how to check your emotions and not let that wear on the person as well. So whether it's a family member or a friend, you need to have someone that for this particular time in your life, your relationship is like, for lack of better words, like when I would leave the hospital, which was so hard the first five weeks he was there. So then I would have to leave him and go home. Like I would just call a friend or a family member on the way home. And we didn't talk about them. We just talked about me. So they, you, you have those people where it's not reciprocal, you know, mm -hmm. at the time. Um, yeah. But being able to have someone you can just download with, I think, is so, so important. Mm. Who was that person for you? Um, so I'm the youngest of four and everyone's in different states. Uh, I'm the baby. We're like right now 39, 41, 51, 53. So I would just call whoever I thought at the time. Mm or call a friend. But yeah, it's it's really tricky um, to not be babbling all the time about the medical stuff and think about yourself mm. and all those types of things. So it, it does take a while. And one of the things I talk about in my book that nobody really talks about either is when people want to help you, practical things to give them. Like, hey, go to the grocery store. Or this was 10 years ago, right? In 2011, there wasn't like deliver your groceries to your door. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, shovel my driveway, cut my grass, stuff like that. Um, you know, if you want to help, give us gas cards because all of a sudden you have to pay for parking and all this, you know, gasoline and all these things you didn't think so of. But people really do feel helpless and want to help. So letting people know what would actually help you. And I have mm -hmm. a list of like, you know, several things like that because it's really tricky. Um, yeah. Because you want the support, but you also just want to be left alone at the same time. Yeah. And, and I also assume 
that you're not even thinking of those little things because you're thinking of the major things. So when someone can help with those little things, it obviously helps and you're not even on that. So um, yeah. I love that. And that, that list is where that's in your book, mm-hmm. Rachel. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Um, so now you got me interested. You said you didn't know until five year, five days before his passing. Yeah. So he actually had, he had acute lymphoblastic leukemia. He was in a clinical trial here at the university of Minnesota ALL, the kind of cancer, um, and we'll talk about my what I'm doing now because I know you're mm-hmm. excited about that later. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a protocol that they use for children. He was the cutoff age at 35. Um, mm-hmm. So what they do is they hit you really, really hard with this um, chemo and they get you better. But then you later have long-term side effects. Like a year later, his hip fell out of the socket. It was collapsing. Mm-hmm. He was dragging it behind him. Even though he was in remission, full head of hair again, looked super healthy. Um, but then his cancer relapsed about 16 months later. And we actually had to hospitalize him for chemo again on our eighth wedding anniversary. Mm-hmm. So keep in mind, the whole time I've been with him, you know, 10 and a half years uh, so he had a bone marrow transplant and we kept getting, you know, there just wasn't enough chemo, like it wasn't knocking it out. So however they were able to know when he first got sick, um, they were able to tell he'd only had the cancer in his body two weeks it infiltrated 97% of his blood. This mm-hmm. time when he relapsed, it was 6% of his blood, but that was enough that it would mutate and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so they were like, okay, we're going to have to do a bone marrow transplant. So in January of 2013, I have surgery for endometriosis. He has his bone marrow transplant. We're both sitting there on our painkillers like, uh, <laughs> and it turned out like the, the chemo and radiation that they gave him before that ended up ripping apart his little body. So he was like six, mm-hmm. two relatively, um, trim guy, like 180. When he first got sick, he got down to 145 pounds. Mm-hmm. So this time he's like bloated up to, 40 pounds, you know, his organs are not working like they should, his kidneys, his lungs, bladder, all that stuff started giving out. Um, So he was in the ICU once, miraculously got out. Um, He had a one in a million uh, miracle of a blood clot in his lung and he he made it, got out within a two-week time frame, was in rehab, learning how to walk and things like that. And then it just went downhill again. And I found out on April 17th, he called me and we said, I love you back and forth three times. And I never knew that would be the last time. Oh. And then um, I went there and they had intubated him and I was told, I'm sorry. Mm. So that basically meant there's nothing else we can do. And they were, t- they said, you know, we'll decide in two days. And I thought, well, hell in two days, it's my 31st birthday. So then, um, then they said, we'll wait two more days. And I just knew that that was it. like the day before he died Saturday night, I made a heaven playlist Um, and then on the 21st, his doctor sat down next to me and he put his hand on my knee and said, Rachel, buddy, you know, today's the day. So I took Mm -hmm. him off life support, signed all the papers. He was amazing. And then he donated his body to the university of Minnesota. He did all these extra spinal taps, bone marrow biopsies, all these painful things to help other people. And I held him in about an hour till his heart stopped. He was making these animalistic noises, you know, cause he's not breathing and, um, just hand, you know, listening to music, things like that. And I didn't even cry like these last days or whatever, because I feel like that was God's peace just showing me, 
you know, this is it. And what I later learned later that, that was so much grace was that there are a lot of young widows and widowers where their significant others get blown up in a different country, you know, mm-hmm. at war, or they come home. There was one story where this woman's um, significant other came home and their 10 year old son found him in the garage and she was so short, she couldn't do anything. So he had to, the son had to cut him down. Dad had hung himself. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I didn't have that happen. I was actually able to be with him and see his body fall apart. And that in itself was a gift because in the grand scheme of things, it didn't make sense, but his body fell apart. You know, you can only, you can only do that, do so much. Um, so that's how it all went down. But like I covered him up after he died. And then I said, uncovered him and was like, you, you wanted to beat cancer and you did. Cause he did the transplant took just, the, and then I did a little dance and played his favorite song for 15 seconds and then left. And then it's Rachel 2.0 and I'm a widow. And I, now what? Mm. Mm. Wow. Well, well, first of all, I, I commend you for sharing that and, and thank you. Um, yeah. I, I know it can't be easy. Um, but I know uh, at least our community is, 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 is appreciative of it. So thank you Mm -hmm. so much for sharing that. Um, so, wow, there's a lot, I'm going to (laughs) ask this, that's, that's hard. You know, it's, it's, I can't imagine going through what you went through. Um, what would you have told yourself? Is there anything you wish you would have done differently or what would you tell yourself now looking back? You know, I think just like practical things like, you know, you're at the hospital a lot and you eat like what's comfort food and things like that. And they don't necessarily fuel you to have more energy and things like that. Like even just little things like that. I I journaled it out, you know, in these posts on those things. I still went to concerts every now and then with friends. I have amazing, funny stories. I went to a silent retreat. I escaped a Buddhist retreat that ends with me eating macaroni and cheese up with my fingers on my front porch because <laughs> I get locked out of my house. So it's, you know, like I really, cause I see these comments people are putting in. I, I really appreciate them. I'm really okay though, but I worked my ass off to get here. So as of the 21st of last month, it's been eight years. Um, but you know, upon reflection, I think I did the best as I could as a 28 year old, 29 year old, 30, 31, Um, you know, things like later when I was a widow and I'm trying to go through all this. So I went to Alaska for like almost three weeks by myself, um, on a cruise. And I was always like, I've seen the Titanic. Tell me what you will. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't think I'd be a widow at 31 either. Right. Um, but just taking time for myself and, you know, my siblings, people didn't, understand why I was spending money people had had a fundraiser for and my parents are like you have no idea what she went through and my parents actually um they are 82 and 75 so 10 years ago they actually came and split shifts and lived with us for 18 months out of those 27 months and Mm -hmm. you know just being able to see all the gifts within these things was Mm -hmm. really healing and amazing for me um you know all those different little parts of things I think of course, I wasn't able to reflect on some of these things until years later. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that just giving myself more grace, because I just, you you want to be able to heal them and make them better and do all these things. And sometimes you just can't. Um, and I think that, you know, there were times where I was really hard on myself, even though I knew I had to take breaks and not spend 
every night at the hospital or visit him every night, you know, I still was so hard on myself and things like that. And I think that when people are the caregiver, they really feel like you can't do enough for yourself. And I feel like I was pretty good at that. But um, what I later learned after he died is, you know, I, it was very, very hard to be 31 and a widow, let alone 28 mm. and um, uh, cancer wife. And then, you know, you have people that are like, oh, I get how you feel. And like, even your experience losing your mom is completely mm -hmm. different than losing mm -hmm. the person that you planned your whole life with. Yeah. And then like six months after he died, my health was so bad that I had a hysterectomy. So I give up on the, you know, being able to have kids and another loss and all these different things. And I did end up losing a bunch of friends at 31 because people don't know what to do with a 31 year old widow. Mm -hmm. And had there been more information, I might've said, Hey, this is what I need. This is how it would help, you know, different things like that. But then again, people don't know what to ask and you don't know what to ask either. So it's a really tricky teeter totter. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk about your book, if that's yeah. okay. Your book, Wife, Widow, Now What? It chrono uh, chronicles your journey. Um, mm -hmm. What else can people expect from your book and where can they get a copy if they want to purchase one? Yeah, so you can get it on Amazon um, exclusively. So it's um, on paperback where you can actually write. There's a budget sheet, different things like that. Um, or on ebook version, and you can actually click on the hyperlinks. Like I spent hours, days trying to come up with financial resources for gas cards and, you know, different things like that and prescription assistance. I actually have pages of those links. You can click on them if you get the ebook version and it will take you to it. So I literally walk you through everything. I explain what insurance is, what the deductible means, what all these things are. So I go through, you know, self-care, anything and everything you can think of, you know, say your person is able to go back to work and, you know, their body's weak, but they used to have a job where they stand. I explain how you talk to the department, you might get a stool, you know, all those types of things that you really think about. I have a big part on finances because more than likely your person won't be able to work as well as after they die, you might not be able to afford where you live, you know, without mm. two incomes, all those types of things nobody really talks about. So this yeah. really is mm -hmm. the first of its kind of like the love story memoir with how to navigate all of it. And I made sure before right. I wrote it and I'm talking about it, it really is <laughs> the first of its kind like that. And I have like, um, you know, in the front, I actually have all of the songs that were like my top songs through the years <laughs> while I was going through it. Of course I have a lot by your uncle cause I was obsessed with him as a child <laughs> as everybody I, else was. I, I, I actually, see the, I see the cool picture behind when you moved oh, your head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got that from an artist. Um, in Love LA. It. Yeah. yeah. So cool. You know, I saw that. I'm not ashamed to tell you that I had this like tabloid, how am I doing this here? This tabloid book is a teen and my sister who lived in California, we ended up finding his house and I stole rocks from the guardhouse and like pressed <laughs> weeds and tissue paper. And I just had these rocks in a Ziploc for like years. And I'm like, what I am I it. doing? Love it. Love <laughs> it. Love it. So, but, um, um, yeah. go ahead. So what I'm doing now, like the key points to get out to people um, what I'm doing now is, you know, and it was interesting too. There's a lot of humor within my book. It's not like my story's all sad. So I had to learn at like 32 how to date because I met this guy at 19. So, and I mean, I'm meeting people who are like, did you catch your husband's cancer? And you're just like, 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so all of these things, I'm working three part-time jobs, hustling to keep my house because I thought I'd have somebody else pay for it. Um, garage selling, eBay, Amazon, like it's just just the calamity of all the things. You're like, how did she keep going through all this? It didn't rain cats and dogs. It rained buffalo and dinosaurs. Um, so going through all that, but you know, my story really is a redemption of, I like literally like had this amazing guy. Then my life blew up. Then I'm like licking the bottom of the barrel, trying to make ends meet, trying to date someone, trying to get a job. And within that, I had no idea I'd be in this advocacy world. So right now I have nine days left through the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. I'm running for woman of the year trying to raise as much money as possible. I have $19,000 more I want to get in nine days um, so I can get a grant in my late husband's name. So my goal is to get $50,000. If I do that, I can get a grant in his name. And yes, that'd be amazing to honor him. But I specifically know someone who has a form of lymphoma that is not very well researched. And she's got mm-hmm. two little ones. She needs help. Mm-hmm. Um, if I could get that to be funded for that research, in his honor, but for her. Yeah. Um, so, she, you know, it, she, she, every six months, it's like, am I sick again? Am I going to be sick? Am I going to be sick? And what's crazy is every three minutes, someone's diagnosed with blood cancer. Every nine mm-hmm. minutes, someone dies from blood cancer. It's the number one childhood form of cancer. And the really crappy thing is these, like the protocol my husband was on, these get you into remission, but 80% of childhood survivors um, go on to have chronic conditions later in life. So we've got a long way to go to do that. So um, I'm just raising as much money as possible. Matt Costa, who's a folky pop singer um, in California that I've met a couple times in my early 20s. He's actually doing a live virtual show for me on Saturday oh, that's um, on Wife, Widow, Now What. I, you can get tickets through me. Um, but yeah, I'm just, uh, doing as much as I can and saying like, cancer didn't beat me. Cancer didn't kill me. Like, screw you. And, you know, I really feel like I I'm going to be honest and say, I did space myself away from the cancer world for years. And when my book came out, I was worried, am I going to go into this downworld spiral, getting back in this world? And now I'm like volunteering for a local cancer organization as well as this LLS thing. The LLS thing is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I think people think I'm a pain in the ass and they're tired of me because I'm asking and asking and asking again and again and again, but I <laughs> I can't care. And it's like, yeah. I'm connecting with all these people from high school I haven't talked to in 20 plus years. And they're probably like, why is she asking me for money? And it's like, well, you have babies. What if your baby had cancer? Mm-hmm. I'm not yeah. posting it that way, but it's just... It's really scary because there's no way in hell when I stood up with this guy, you know, in 2004 and exchanged vows, I didn't think that was going to be happened to me either and that he'd be gone eight years now. But there's a real need. And during COVID, you can do something amazing right now. You can help people. And it's just it's exciting to know that you can do something like this and that this has come out of that. So my one tagline for you, because I know you're going to ask. Yeah. You know how like back in the Klondike Yukon days, you'd see those really those pictures of like the white snow and the people, you know, back to back to back climbing up. Of course, they're not properly bundled in our terms today. Um, They would put it all on the line. They leave their families, not know if they're going to make anything. More than likely, I can't guarantee it. 
But more than likely, you are going to go through something in your life that's really crappy. I could have all kinds of swear words. That's really crappy. That's really awful. But within it, you're going to get nuggets of gold that are going to make you a future advocate. Or maybe your career is going to change. Or your neighbor or your family member or whoever. Or you're going to say, you know, this happened to me and authentically mean it. And someone will feel less alone. And that's why I do all of this and wrote my book because... It was just horrifically sad to be where I was and feel like I was so alone, but I just leaned on God, knew somehow, you know, I didn't have the blueprints, but I knew somehow I would get through it. And I did. And now I'm here to say, like, this is super ugly, but you can do it and you'll be okay. And you're going to get those nuggets. I'm pretty sure you're going to get those nuggets later in life. And it may be years from now, but you will. Yeah. That's, that's that's amazing and well said. So just to just to remind everyone, you are doing a fundraiser for. Can you just say that again? Because yeah, what I did Lu- is, yeah, go ahead. for the Leukemia ahead, Lymphoma Society. So I'm trying to raise as much money as I can in the next nine days. Okay, and, and, and we, if we, I win, then I'm Woman of the Year. And if I get fifty thousand dollars, I need nineteen thousand more. If I get fifteen or $50,000, I can get a grant in my husband's name and help people that need to be funded for their kind of cancer. That's great. So what, um, and yes, there is a link. We put it in the description um, on both Facebook and YouTube. Um, I do, if it's not appearing for you now, well, if you're re-watching this, it, sh- it will be there. But if you're watching this live, if you don't see it now, um, after this, uh, after we close, it will should populate back up. So you just may have to refresh. But yes, there will be a link in the description box for anyone who's rewatching. You can donate directly by by clicking the link. Is there a time frame when they when the donations are good for? Yes. So it's just until Friday the twenty first. This has been the hardest okay. ten weeks of my life. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we have nine days. So yeah, we man. all hope you hit your target, as Lena yeah. says. Um, Thank you. And the Matt Costa show is Saturday. You can get tickets until um, it's at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time on Saturday. So you can get tickets through then as well. It's just $15. Just I'll send you the Zoom link. And I mean, we all need a little cheeriness. (laughs) <laughs> That's perfect. So yeah, send that to us as well. And 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 if you send it soon, we could put it on the description link as well. Um, okay. Rachel, uh, I, I see my internet connection isn't the most reliable right now, but hopefully it's working just fine. Um, we are slowly going to be wrapping up, but I like we always do, we give our guests up to a minute to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. Um, you could re-talk about your, your, your pledge for the lymphoma. Um, you can talk about a movie you saw. You could talk tell about, say again, Todd. Tell a joke. Yeah. You could tell a joke. And Whatever you time. want to do, yeah. this is your time. Uh, what do you want to leave us with? Yes. Yeah, so my late husband, um, he was really funny, and he had, um, he had you know funny T-shirts and stuff like that. He had one with squirrels on it with acorns, and it said, you know, it's all fun and games till um, somebody loses a nut. And at his memorial <laughs> service, I got up and told his favorite joke. And my one sister was horrified, but our pastor was like, do it. <laughs> so this guy walks into a psychiatrist's office and all he's wearing is saran wrap. And the psychiatrist says, clearly, I can see your nuts. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so I think it's just so important during really hard stuff to use humor. Like when he yes. was going through all kinds of stuff or he had to get hospitalized again for a fever or whatever that was, I'd always be like, yeah, had to be fancy didn't you? You weren't getting enough attention at home. So I think just knowing that humor 
Um, I'm a big proponent of don't watch sad stuff or sad music. Watch, you know, when I was watching Friends or Roseanne or whatever and was belly laughing and, you know, realizing like there's hope. I can be funny. I can do these things. You know, when you're going through hard stuff, surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with good media. You know, don't compare yourself. I actually went off Facebook for like nearly a year because I didn't want to see people's pretty babies and their spouses and things like that when I was going through my house. So I think you just have to be really careful with what you expose yourself to and it'll really help you out. Nice. I love that. Um, I think that's a very cool way to to end, Rachel, with that message of of being able to laugh and being able to smile and mm -hmm. surrounding yourself with with positive energy. Um, so I, I thank you for sharing that. Todd, is there you. anything else you want to say before we close the show? Mm, not really. I I'm amazed that you know in the beginning you said that you kind of beat yourself up, and then seeing you now in terms of it's almost like a 180 in a good way, mm -hmm. you know, obviously. Um, was that a long journey or was it something that you just, you just decided, look, I'm not going to beat myself in, up anymore. It's out of my control. Like, yeah, you have a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda after they mm -hmm. die. And like for yeah. like a good year, I would expect him to walk through the front door because you just have mm -hmm. that familiarity. Um, but I think it's just, it's God's grace in in all of it but i think that it's just knowing this is for me it was like you're only 31 dude you got to reboot your life like a computer and you're on your own you have to pay for stuff you don't have that luxury mm -hmm. so i think it's it's the choice my brother who's 14 years older than me said you can choose at the very beginning of the illness you mm -hmm. can choose to be bitter or better and it wasn't always easy i have a chapter called bitter betty but you know, choosing to be better will ultimately help you in the end. And you can have times where you wallow, but you have to be able to pick yourself up and move on. And it did take years to be able to be reflective um, of where I am now. But I really think that at the heart of it, um, you know, I hate cliches, but time really does heal. All those, mm -hmm. all those types of things, you just have to um, give yourself time, give yourself grace and know that you really don't know what anybody else is going through. But um, hopefully you'll have some tools or skills, no matter how hard it is for you to be able to help other people. Nice. That's perfect. I was going to ask how did at 31, how do you have that mental, you know, ability to, to regroup and, and pick yourself up. So I'm happy that you shared your brother, um, your elder brother helped you to, uh, achieve that. And I think that's an important message that we, you know, there's, we have to respond we have to respond. I can relate to that because when I lost my mother, I was 16 and, and, you know, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I got that same message from my family. You, we can either let it, you know, derail our entire lives or we, we have to find a way to honor that person and, and continue moving. And um, mm -hmm. so I'm happy you shared that. Uh, Taj, great question. Is there anything else you wanted to ask? No, Taj? No. Okay, good. perfect. Rachel, anything else you want to say before we close? No, that's it. Good luck. I hope you get some sleep in time, Taj. <laughs> <laughs> but Rachel, I want to thank you guys on our thank you on behalf of the, the entire DDJF Foundation, on behalf of my brother, uh, Taj, who's here, who's who hasn't been getting much sleep as a new father. Uh, I want to just thank you for, for joining us on the Power of Love show and sharing your story. I know it couldn't yeah. have been easy, but you've helped people out there, and, and I appreciate that. Um, and for everyone out there, remember, she has a book. Miss Rachel Ingstrom yes. has a book called Wife, Widowed, Now What? Um, pick it up if you are 
in this similar situation or know someone who's in this situation, it could be a great gift to help them get through their very challenging moment in their life. Um, I think that's it. We will see everyone next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thank you guys for always supporting DDJF. A big thank you to Janine and Teresa for your contributions, as well as Kevin um, for the numerous little contributions. We all appreciate it, and it means the world to us. Again, you guys, check the description box for the link for leukemia for Rachel's fundraiser. Let's support her. And that's it. Adios, everyone. Much love to you. Good night and goodbye.